Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. Drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. Occasionally, an episode or two slips through the cracks. We keep evolved to these things, and sometimes we forget where they are. Because one or two or three of us is out of town, and we don't tell the other one, Hey, man, we recorded this show. It was fucking awesome. That's today's show. Uh, Evan and Jared sat down with uh, Jack Carr, who's a former Navy SEAL, who wrote a book called The Terminalist, also wrote a book called True Believer, uh, a few months back. And uh, they said, Babe, Ross, we forgot to tell you we recorded on this day. Could you put it out now? That's exactly what we're doing. It's not that we didn't love him or, or, or that uh, we're not huge fans of his. We just forgot. Um, we keep a huge Dropbox full of, full of episodes, and uh, this one fell through the crevasse. Uh, so we're going to get to Jack Carr in a second with Evan and Jared, but first we got some sponsors to pay for this whole shit wagon to be on the air. Uh, also, quick reminder, that cruise is coming up. Go to drinkingbros.com and sign up for the cruise. I believe uh, it goes up through June. We're already 60% sold out. Join us on the cruise. It's going to be a blast in September, man. Go to drinkingbros.com for more info on the cruise that we are doing. We're marrying two couples as well, which is going to be fucking crazy. The the cruise itself is going to be crazy. Who are we kidding? Uh, We're all going to be lucky to get out of there alive. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about BlackRifleCoffee.com. As far as our sponsors go, if you're not signed up for their coffee club of the month, you're missing out. Last month, they dropped some whoobies on the world. This month, the whoobie hoodie is finally here, but it is only available to coffee club members. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com right now so you can get on on the whoobie hoodies because these fucking things are going to sell out. We also recorded a new song uh, Matt, Jared, and I, that'll be dropping right around Valentine's Day. And in the video, you're going to see Matt wearing this whoopee hoodie. I guarantee you, after this song drops, you will never see these whoopee hoodies again. They'll be sold, they'll be sold out. Uh, I can confirm they are the greatest hoodies ever made. So, look, sign up, man. They're always doing cool new products and all that shit. Before they sell out, uh, they're exclusive to you guys. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Um, and again, the Coffee Club of the Month is the best in the biz, man. I got K-Cups, bags, you name it. Uh, and the apparel is lights out. The Whoopi Hoodie is the greatest invention of all time. And yes, the promo code Bros 20 always applies, including the Whoopi Hoodie. Uh, so go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Sign up, man. Just get the coffee delivered to your house. It's easier that way. Next up, we got GhostBed.com forward slash Bros. How do I love the ghost bed? Look, we told you throughout the holidays, hey, jump on these specials, jump on these specials. They might not last after the new year. They extended into the new year, and uh, some of them went away, because let's face it, you can't give away those fucking deals forever. However, uh, they came back and said, look, man, because 80, I think 80% of our audience is military and first responder, we will give you 15% off on Drinking Bros on, on ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Uh, if you are military or a first responder, we'll give you 15% off of all of our products mattresses, pillows, sheets, adjustable bases, all that shit. You get an extra 15% off if you were military or first responder. And that's like the ultimate boss move ever. Uh, again, man, 80% of our audience is military and first responders. 
That's a huge savings. Uh, I, I, look, I'm shocked that they did it. That's, I mean, fuck, you're looking at probably an extra $200 off a mattress at that point. Or whatever you order. Jesus Christ. Uh, I know they got a bundle package for $7.99. That includes like all the shit. So take another 15% off of that. And there is a pay-as-you-go program for 36 months, no interest. I don't even know if they do a fucking credit check for that shit. But uh, either way, man, they're the best company in the biz, mattress-wise. We all have these things, and it's for a reason. Um, They always do cool shit like this. And, you know, this is our second year with them. We wouldn't do it if, if it wasn't great. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and get a fucking mattress, man. While, while this deal lasts, uh, look, I hope they do this for the rest of the year, but I have no idea. Uh, next up, we got bisonunion.com. Go to Bert Kuntz's Instagram right now. Go to Bison Union's Instagram. They're selling out of shit. And look, these hats that we've been wearing, Matt and I, on our Instagram all the time, at ST James and at Matt Best Official, they're the, they're, look, they're the camo ones with the Wyoming flag on them and the buffalo. Sold out. Everybody's asking, dude, where do we get these, these hats? They're on bisonunion.com. Go to Bert Koontz's Instagram and say, hey, restock, motherfucker. Hashtag restock the hats. Uh, I also want the boots. I try to get the boots. The boots are sold out. Bert's. Let's get some hats in. Let's get some more boots in. Uh, the reason why they're sold out, though, to be honest with you, man, it's they make the coolest apparel for dudes that there is. Um, I mean, fuck. I, there's very few things in this world you can wear out as a as a bro, as a dude in this life, and just be like, all right, rad, man. I, I, I can go out to dinner or a barbecue or some type of work function with something cool on. Because let's face it, you can't just throw a dick on a shirt and wear that out to most places. Bison Union, man, they do it right all the way across the board. Uh, they've got amazing hoodies. They're long sleeve tees. Huge fan of. Uh, freezing my dick off here today, so I'm wearing one of those. Um, and their hats are, are second to none. A lot of their designs are used over at Black Rifle. Uh, the two always work together. We love BisonUnion.com. And the promo code Drinking Bros for 20% off is good every single time there at BisonUnion.com. But go to Bert's Instagram. Tell them to get these hats and boots back in stock. God damn it. Uh, they're selling out fast at BisonUnion.com. Again, promo code Drinking Bros, 20% off. Next up, we got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strike forces for the freedom fighter inside of you. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but it could be. It could be. If you're, look, if you're out on the battlefield right now, have some Strike Force. Let me know if it helps you kill people better. Uh, Strike Force has got four amazing flavors original, orange, lemon, make America grape again. They get a 10 pack, a 40 pack, and a 750 milliliter bottle. The rest in your bar shop or countertop, so you can boom, boom. Pop a couple of squirts in and go. Strike Force is my jam, dude, for while we're dieting uh, after the holidays, dude. No carbs, no sugars, and, and it keeps you from crashing. You can kick the can. You don't need any more. Get a subscription to Strike Force. That's what I have. And, and by the way, the boxes that you buy are actually the display boxes that are using like 7-Elevens. And I know they're in like 1,000 7-Elevens across the nation. But uh, if they're not near you, just get it shipped to your house. It's easier. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Type in the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20% off. It's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Last but not least, talking about GrillYourAssOff.com. Whoo! Still ass-eating season. No, I say it every time, but I have, to, I have to remind you, disgusting motherfuckers, what time it is. Uh, it's still, you're still good to go. Throw a little seasoning on that ass. 
GrillYourAssOff.com is 100% veteran-owned. Look, let's face it. You are going to buy seasonings to cook with every single day anyways. You might as well buy them from a veteran-owned company. Go to GrillYourAssOff.com. Uh, more importantly, go to their Instagram, man. Their Instagram, they're always doing like test meats and cook-offs and shit. That It's like meat porn. So you can see all of these seasonings in action and what they would go with. Uh, they got seasonings for chicken, steak, pork, you name it. And then Crispy Avia has got a spicy habanero, which is delightful, man. Uh, so they partnered up with Crispy. Uh, he's got a seasoning there. They're beef jerky, too. Um, look, I know I've been hollering about this fucking beef jerky for months. It's one of my faves, in particular, that's sweet and spicy. But they got four rad flavors of it. Um, the salt and pepper, the sweet and spicy, uh, a little cowboy, and the ridge. You get a four-pack. It's all 100% USA beef. You're not getting that shit from China, homes. Go to grillyourassoff.com, type in the promo code Drinking Bros for 15% off. And they got some beer, they got some beer mugs too over there that I'm a big fan of. Uh, right now we're gonna hop into the show with Mr. Jack Carr. Well, well, well. Oh, hi. Here we go. Hi. Guys. How's it going? Oh man. Well, that soft. Friendly sound. It's way one. too friendly for what you know he really oh. is. You know what he, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's always the super friendly guys you have to worry about. It's like uh, <laughs> with uh, with you know the, the, the body counts, your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think about growing all that. <laughs> have you? I, think, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like the pad thing we talked about yesterday. Right. Waking up and hitting that thing. I think I've yeah. outgrown You've some outgrown of that stuff. It? I think so. I've moved is it, on. Is Transitioned. It's just, it just that you have less testosterone testosterone in your body it's possible now. like it's possible. Just, your testosterone is <laughs> declining so you're not punching a fucking mat anymore <laughs> it, that might be instantly it. i've heard recently if you eat a lot of soy it it it, it it's uh high in estrogen Ooh. so it can it could not think it can i'm have effects that. it could have very womanly i think effects. it's just poison just in soy general. is yeah, poison soy is yeah so who do we got here on drinking bros today we have uh jack carr terminal list author Former Navy SEAL <sighs> officer and enlisted. Ooh, both. Thank Mustang. You, thank you. Oh, got the Mustang. Fuck. How many years? 20 in a wake up. 20 in a wake up. That's legit, oh. man. Well, let's talk about this first. I would like mm-hmm. to hear your opinion. I, I think that we are completely outdated and outgrown our, the whole officer enlisted thing. Like, why haven't we updated to a progressive structure, like uh, specifically Germany? I think I, I, I'm, I'm going to speak in general terms. I believe they have six enlisted ranks, and then you move into the officer corps. If you want to stay enlisted, you can and become a first sergeant and sergeant major, or you become a lieutenant, captain, and then you move. So that means at every point in their military, their captains, their majors, their colonels, mm-hmm. they have all enlisted. started. They all, and now my, my point is, is I look at the people when in 2002, when we took the branch, the, the, my friends in Washington state that all went to Washington state university, fucked off their parents' money for four years, barely made it to class, barely passed, were drunk for four years. They Meanwhile, should have gone, gone for five. That four, that at that four year point, I'd already been on a combat deployment. I'd already been promoted into a junior NCO leadership position. You know, it was like, okay, let's compare those two people. Now, why are we still in this day and age saying, 
this one gets to be in charge. Right, right. No, there's definitely something to that. And the officer enlisted structure in general is definitely antiquated. There's no doubt about it. Um, so go back and forth a little bit on that. I think there are great officers that come from the enlisted ranks, and there are very bad officers that Correct. come from the enlisted ranks, yep. just like there are great officers that come from the academies and mm-hmm. terrible ones. Um, so, uh, But I do think there's something to having everybody start in the mailroom and work their way up, which is why I started like that because I wanted to establish a reputation. I wanted to be a sniper and I knew that officers typically weren't snipers. And uh well they were snipers that happened towards their sniper targets. Yeah, they were like <laughs> that fucking dude is a sniper. Boom. But it's just Chewing like if me we up. look we look at <laughs> at you know the the seventeen hundreds when we started this was all because of who can read and who can't generally. Like uh, who can write, who could, who's able to record what was going down, you know, is educated towards the farm people and stuff like that. So it's like, how, why has this lasted so long? Right. It's one of those things like gigantic bureaucracy, like everything else in the right. military. It's <laughs> hard to change. A protected. Exactly. Protected yeah. society. No, I'm sure there's something. What do you think? Uh, do you like it? Something to that. Do you think we're outdated? Uh, I think that we've, I think that we have, uh, we've, we've, we've passed that differentiating point i think there's something to be said about having a degree i think that there's a certain amount of um uh i guess when i say check the block it's not just a check in the block you have to kind of suck it up through four or five sometimes six or seven depending on what kind of program you're on (laughs) they're called doctors um yeah they're not sometimes they're called bachelor's degrees (laughs) but i think from my perspective, I think leadership is one of those abstract. Um, it's a it's a it's an abstract quality that not everybody has. So regardless, so you don't of, believe it's a learned skill. Uh, I think that you can cultivate it. I think that you can enhance it. But I think uh, a lot of people, and especially good leaders, it's a uh, it's a it, it's not only an environmental factor as far as how they were raised. It's directly how they were raised and who they are as individuals that ultimately it's enhanced through training and mentorship, uh, just like management. So management is something that not all leaders have, right? So you can be a very charismatic leader and be somewhat incompetent at managing large scale projects. Um, I think where you're, you're people like you, but you're not really getting the results. Well, you can have like, uh, that's why there's operations guys, right? And so when you got a very charismatic leader in, in a, in a very detail oriented operations guys, you've got the yin and yang to that mechanism. And when you really have two people that work really well together, uh, like a commander and a first sergeant or a commander XO, this great relationship is, is emphasized by a person that has and can implement strategic vision and mobilize people around an an idea and a mission, uh, orient and pursue this, uh, uh, objective as far as being able to, to get your men in the right place, right time, right uniform, that's ops, right? So, uh, morale, um, emphasizing morale and how important group psychology is into accomplishing a, a, a vision. Team and building. Then, and then the actual brass tacks of motivating, and I shouldn't say motivating, but organizing. You know, a, a good operations guy uh, organizes the organization, right? That's not necessarily the job of a leader, 
uh, leader is 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 a, is a is a different individual, especially in larger teams, larger teams in the companies. Well, what going back you, to what you what, what Jared you said, is it is that guy uh, a good leader because he had four years of of drinking in college, or is it something he has had more opportunities but at, along the way, like a right. few more than the person coming out of high school? Uh, so for me, I looked at it just as a continuation mm-hmm. of sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Then there was high school. Then there was college. Then there was the military. That's just how I looked at it. Um, was college any more beneficial than than high school? It was just more time for me to mm-hmm. prepare, more time for me to train, more time for me to get ready for what I knew I was going to do. Uh, and not everybody looks at it like that way, but it's just more time on the planet mm-hmm. there than the 18-year-old has. But that 18-year-old that comes out and jumps right in the military and jumps right onto a track that takes him to Iraq or Afghanistan, and he's under working under good leaders, both officer and enlisted, then that life experience may be different from but, the guy that comes in the military and goes to, the, let's just say, uh, I don't know, doesn't deploy stays right. here as horrible leaders is doing something administrative or supply whatever right. very important of course but they're not out there getting good battlefield leadership and learning how to do it and making it their own as they move forward mm-hmm. but looking at the system now like the, you kind of sparked a new point is like it, thinking thinking back on that it's like what if we we've come up with this you know one through through 12th grade and then four years of college you know what if we stopped at 16 and you had to get you had to get a trades job for 4 or 5 years before you could even apply for college so you're not even going to college until you're 24 25 26 where you're going to take it more seriously oh, and yeah. when it's when you're riding on it i mean that's what i'm thinking on all my experiences back back then i wish i could have started when i was 30 i would have rather been in the military starting at 30 and on just because I think it would have been so much more effective. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. You definitely get more out of the college experience. I think if you're just starting it later, if you have yeah. some life experience, if you have a little time to take a breath between high school and college, apply a trade, learn a trade, travel, whatever it is, learn right. a language, learn it. You know, so you're not, you're not in right. this because you see these, it's not just high school these, without parents, these sex and these pockets of people around the country that have never mm. left sex. their security, their security walls. So there's never a change in thinking, and that's kind of like what one of the things. Uh, anytime I, I, I get around some hyper left person, the first question I ever ask: Have you ever been outside the country? And they always say no, really? and it's like, or they've or they've been out of the country, and it's like, yeah, I went to, to Canada. I went, I did in you know, went to London. Or um, it's like, no, but seriously, that's that's America with an accent. That's like going to Alabama. Um, <clears throat> No, I think that it's, I, I've thought a lot about this because, you know, selection is an interesting process, right? Where you go through, you know, weeks and months, years of, of cultivating a skill and leadership is a skill. It's, it's, I think that you can cultivate it. I think that you can emphasize a specific trait, just like, um, you know, a comms guy or a, uh, you know, a medic. So if you're selecting for that criteria based on performance early, and I think we've all seen it where a good leader can quite literally take the performance of a team of people from the last to the first. Oh yeah. Now finding what that is, is super difficult, right? So what is it that defines the characteristics of a good leader and how do you measure those? How That's do why you they're still writing that. books about it. Well, yeah. well also, to too, do you agree uh, that a good leader, despite the training and the cultivation, requires a specific set of personality traits? And if you're outside of some of those, you're never you're never going to get it. Well, it depends on the results, right? So you, I think you have to you have to grade or, or 
select the appropriate data points based on what you're trying to accomplish with that or trying to seek. So, you know, if, for instance, if you're a comms guy, I, I know that when we were talking about the, the selection and aptitude tests, if you were going into the medical or communication, you had to score higher within a certain uh, within certain aspects of, of even your, your ASVAP. And then a secondary selection was based on math. You had to have some type of um, gift or you had to test out it at least, I think it was like a 12th grade math criteria. So for for whatever reason, there wasn't a lot of fucking math going on in Camo, you know, cutting. Did you do a lot at Camo? I did. So I yeah. was, uh, I was in my MOS or a school before buds when you have to, used to have to have one of those right. was Intel school. So I went to 16 weeks of Intel school before I showed up at buds because they fine. thought you were going to fail really, out. Were you back a to the sniper fleet. in so, 2005? I was. Were you in Mosul? I was. In, wait, hold on. Stop. I was in 2004 in Mosul. In 2005, I was in Mosul as well. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Do you remember hanging out with the tech peas? Oh my gosh. Is this when we're going after that? <laughs> that there was that sniper. That yeah, was there was the, the there head. was the sniper yeah. that up in the Mosul with the striker I, brigade. Yes, yeah. you you sat in my striker what? and we were talking about cats. <laughs> what? Seriously? I do remember this. Yes, now. you That's pulled the crazy. giant fucking Marine Corps book open, dude. I don't remember that about a Marine Corps. But anyway, I remember like, going up well, there. It was a it was a strike brigade. It, yes, and we you were, were with the the four one uh, buffaloes and the and the one seventy second striker brigade and we. We kept dropping you guys of off in the height That's in the it. hides That's and it. because they kept taking our they, they, they had just taken one of our guys out yeah. uh the round went between us and hit him uh, and then that, that's when uh, you guys came out to come try and find it. That's it. And we were, were, you were putting no in the way. fake cam- camera. That's it, the fake stuff. camera. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that. I think the lawyers, that's why I was like, the lawyers we were put putting an end to that. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the, the Jags put an end to that pretty quick as soon as they found out what we were doing. But uh, uh, the yeah, there was some, uh, some Iraqi sniper, maybe it was a foreign fighter, I forget, that was that they thought was shooting people in the head that escaped, escaped from Abu Ghraib maybe, yeah. and uh, and was up there. All of a sudden, the sniper escapes, and then the headshots start happening yeah. in Missoula, I think. Yeah, you took um, us shooting, though down one day like me and the two other tack peas nice. and we went because you, you guys had you guys had your uh you guys had a very good chow hall yes oh my god the pasta bar and everything that was crazy because <laughs> oh i'm coming from ramadi this is this is like and so <laughs> perfect to any military story you have millions of people listening and the only thing they want to hear about is fucking killing people and, but the two military guys at the table are like dude you remember that fucking chow hall? <laughs> that was a fucking awesome chow hall. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. It was so different from Missoula. I'm sorry, from Ramadi because I was yeah. coming from Ramadi. Because you're coming from Shark Base, Ramadi, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they brought over the you know whatever those plastic tubs were called, whatever that is. And uh, you'd go down the line. It was all cold. Already. Mermites. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, that's it. The yeah. mermites. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. And then we go to Missoula and we're on this base up there. And, yeah. Man, that was Shanghai. Diamondback. Yeah. You li- you guys it. lived down on Diamondback yeah. and yep. I was up yeah. on Merez. Okay. And then, yeah. Yeah. that's right, Merez. Dude, I and I was in Merez. Oh eight oh nine. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, we were only up there for maybe a month, three weeks. Well, we like could, that. every time, yeah, every time we took you guys in, you went with my element because That's we awesome. had the we had the the birds. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was a crazy one. That uh, that camera op was a was a crazy one. Um, well, what was yeah. fun about that time frame is you had a constant air patrol over Mosul. So twenty four yeah. hours a day, there were two F fourteens just doing circles with loaded to the tits, just ready. So it didn't matter what you were doing; it was just like huh, cast on call. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I brought up uh, like a couple cast guys. We're all because we're all. Uh, I was 
fire enlisted sniper and then i had a couple of snipers with me a comm guy with me um and i think somebody else but anyway we had like four or five of us that came up to do yeah, that yeah it was a small element cool. you guys were only there for what six weeks something like that so yeah. i'm made to get back to ramadi that stuff was heating up down <laughs> what there. a fucking small I knew, world i knew crazy. i could tell it's like from yesterday i was like wait a minute the beard was fooling me i only got a beard at that point <laughs> yeah. maybe i did no i had a beard in ramadi and i had to shave it to come yeah, to Missoula. Yeah, yeah you were, you were clean shaven yeah there. You had to shave it to go to Missoula. <laughs> we work army, you know. You had to get a good impression. Yeah. You had to put the uniform on and the. You guys brought a couple Iraqi SF guys. That's right. We had a whole yeah. uh, team out there. Yeah, because we would eat. We ate a few a few nights together. Yeah, no, that was that was good. And uh, yeah, setting those, you got the Lovis guys going out there yeah. doing their yeah. thing and. Yeah, that was that was wild. Oh, I actually have something really funny that we'll talk after the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that you would jail. that you would recognize. <laughs> awesome. Like Diamondback Merez was was one of the best and one of the worst experiences in Mosul. The the range though, the open yeah, I had, range. I had a great, I had on, a great range. Up yeah, there. and nobody yeah. nobody would go. Like, did I yeah. tell you about this? Like, the the strikers had an area that was as big as half of this room with ammo cans full of loose five five six, just ro- roped off. Like, and if you needed five yeah. five six, you would just go grab it for your truck. Well, there was we would be done with patrols before the sun went down, and there's nothing to fucking do. So I would go grab a case of that and drive up to that range and be the only one there for hours just nice. shooting. And I went into the tank graveyard and found a bunch of. Uh, of of like hatches so yeah. i set up a bunch of hatches it's so i had steel, steel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. and that's yeah. that's when i met the oda awesome. team they came up in a rsx uh and and got out and they were like looking at me like what because they didn't understand i was wearing like half acus and a different plate carrier They're like what yeah. are you i was like i'm yeah. tack p they're like oh, oh shit you're man. coming with us awesome <laughs> yeah awesome that is that's crazy what a small fun. world that's super. That, that, crazy. that is like that's crazy. That's crazy, man. That's like deductive yeah, for reasoning one, for one four to six week time frame in two thousand five. Yeah, uh, we crossed paths, and yeah. that's insane. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> in that kiss Cheers. you shared, the both of yeah. you. Yeah, special. Well, it, it was. Special. I was sitting with your. Com- <laughs> that's what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> I did. I, I that's a different sat, podcast. <laughs> I sat with different your promo branding. guy for a while because he was showing me the piss five, yeah. and I'd never seen a okay. piss five. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Just, and then, and then we went shooting with you guys for a day, and then. Dropped you guys off and the piss five was a fucking nice. horrible system. Yes. Well, I, it, it, I, I don't know why. I don't know why the SEAL teams carried them. I, know, I, I don't know why. Don't why you just buy a one seventeen? Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's like I don't know what time we had like the one seventeen Charlie and then yeah. Delta and then it didn't really get good Fox. until the Golf and Fox. Yeah, yeah. well, right. yeah, your Fox was that was the money right. back then. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what they have now. I just remember like constantly being frustrated with satcoms off the piss five because you had like. 30 different fucking menus that you had to work through in order to get this and you'd have like a cheat sheet <laughs> it's not for everybody it, it's it's not it's it's truly not but i remember like anytime you could get satcom with a piss five you're a fucking rock star well you know you could finger fuck a fox in under 30 seconds by just plugging in an uplink yeah. and downlink difference in the uh that was <laughs> like, a good one like and then well, pinging it real quick they, and then you're like all right we're good but it wasn't even that is it was, it, 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 it to all those listeners that we just lost they're like what are you talking about like you had this brick called the uh, cyz 10 it was like this you remember the crazy 10 I do. yeah it's and it was like the worst fucking thing on the planet to navigate like, and it was not ANC. horrible it was not intuitive was whatsoever not an and you're trying to make comms between two things that are not intuitive so you're trying to load your radio with the right crypto and put in the right settings and you know, if you but, breathe but fucking fair, left it it doesn't work satcom was far far more simple than trying to take a crazy 10 and a 119 
and talk singars. Oh, you had to singars. click no. that hand mic the fucking, 10 that, times like to free change cop. your hopset number. Fucking free cop. <laughs> we just lost yeah. a million listeners. Like, literally. But interestingly enough. I've when given I w- enough combo courses to understand that we need to stop talking about combo. <laughs> yeah. so because everyone is asleep. But I will say that when I went over to work with uh, the, the former group that you used to work yeah. for, uh, which was on that same deployment just into 2006, uh, a lot of cell phone usage. So that was tons, much easier. Tons of, that's, that's what I'm saying. So when I went over there, everybody's talking on cell phones. So it was so perfect. Like texting. It was great. Just like, hey, pick me up here. Here's yeah. the grid. Text. Yeah. It's like, get the fuck out of here. This is what you guys are doing? Exactly. Yeah, it's way easier than Loved it. That's, yeah. why, that's why I had such a good experience, perhaps. I know. Well, being yeah. the master tacticians of both of you, let's, uh, what are your thoughts on Antifa? Ooh. Wow. <laughs> You know this from th- a from a tactical point of view. From a tactical <laughs> point of view, I think that one. I think that it's just hilarious that the 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 socialist or the democratic socialist movements and are are, are anti fascist <laughs> in any claim whatsoever. So for the last several decades, they've been trying to disarm the civilian population. Yeah, the the democratic socialists have basically been taking away or trying to lobby to take away our second amendment rights but now all of a sudden they want the second amendment rights because they're trying to have some type of mounted insurgency against the government it's like <laughs> well make up your fucking mind like one day it would be great if you guys just made up your mind and said well am i pro 2a no i'll tell you what it is they're pro 2a if the guns are in the hands of a socialist <laughs> right, so they're 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 they're, they're pro First Amendment yeah, yeah, when they're aren't talking. We, aren't we kind they're of pro Second Amendment <laughs> when they're holding the way. gun? Yeah, it's just like every socialist from the from from the development of of any Marxist thought thereafter. It's we're pro whatever we believe and anti whatever every, everybody else believes. So really, they should just be called anti my idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What they need... But, I mean, one thing that we do have going for us or our side is, you know, their side attracts, like, the most weak, malnourished. (laughs) Like, they're all, you know... I love the training training videos that they put out there. Heavy vegan diet. Like, like the ISIS (laughs) training videos make those guys look... Like so great. Like, like the, the ISIS training videos, the, those guys look like CAG compared to the Antifa fucking <laughs> <laughs> training no, right. videos. I just those think it's funny I have that not a bunch of dudes that have never handled anything weapons or even gone through like a sixth grade karate kata yeah. are trying to like mount an insurgency with. Uh, the the equivalent of like a baseball catcher's uniform in a, in a, in a single speed bicycle that they have to borrow from their cousin. They're getting a late start. Yeah, yeah. you know they might catch up. What but. do you think? I mean, you're an, you're an Intel guy. What do you think about this? Well, I saw at the uh, former at, Intel guy at the uh, inauguration. <laughs> I got fig. to see them running around with uh, the black masks on. Oh shit! You were at the inauguration. You were at the inauguration. Yeah, I got to uh, got to see them at work and. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of them. That's for sure. They massed in the in a city, and they really? caused destruction and damage. And wow. uh, so they can just by they don't even have to succeed. Really, right. it can be a strategy of failure just mm-hmm. to continue um, hurt the economy, disrupt right. disrupt commerce, disrupt people that are trying to get to and from work and mm-hmm. do their jobs and raise their families. Um, so they, I mean, they can do that for as long as the populace, the productive population, will put up with it. Right. I uh, yeah. I think. So who do you think they're funded by? 
<laughs> well, uh, there I would I would venture to guess that there are some professionals out there that are right. getting some I would guess getting mm-hmm. some money from some people that have disposable income. Right. Like because there, there's the there's the whole conspiracy theory and or theory I should say that that George Soros he funds a huge percentage of these uh, socialist movements or the Antifa movement. Would you would you expand on that? Is there any is there any direct link do you think between well, well, his organizations and these? I will say that I have not studied it oh, in, okay. in depth um, mm-hmm. or really at all. But mm-hmm. uh, I would venture a guess that once you see people gathering and you see a movement that there is probably money to be made mm-hmm. on a few different fronts there right. and that money would come in from somebody that uh, that has that kind of money to spend and that sort of an ideology. So right. I would, uh, it would not be beyond the realm of possibility to have someone like that or multiple people like that funding this uh, I won't even say insurgency because that's uh, that's yeah it's disrespectful to actually yeah. insurgency. Disre- yeah. 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 disrespectful to, to actual insurgency. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think what they need, I think what they need is they need they need Uncle Sam to just kind of bend him over and give him a fucking spanking. I saw a post. <laughs> that, uh, I, saw, I saw a post that might be coming out about this. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I think that's uh, what they need. They need Uncle need a, Sam to just kind of like. Take them over the knee and fucking their parents. turn their hide. Yeah, I, their I parents. think that's what it is. I, I I don't know. I think we should stop putting up with it. Like anybody that shows up to any protest wearing any sort of padding or a mask, just hit them over the head with a club and zip them up right there and throw them in the back of a truck. Like that's it. If you come to a protest with padding on, I you have intent to. Yeah, start no. some shit. I'm no, I'm no lawyer, but uh, I think I said I think you're onto something. I think that's great. If we start something. doing that, guess what? It starts going away. I don't know. I because I think if you if you put yourself in the in the in the situation where you could be, or as the government could be, and or in the community municipality from whatever law enforcement entity is positioned as a fascist or some type of police state. Uh, I think you're you're setting yourself up for a a PR nightmare to oh, some yeah. degree. Well, that's what so, the insurgents were so good at uh, yeah. overseas. I mean, they much like as you guys know, their uh, their marketing and their ability to adapt and mm-hmm. figure out what their end state was before the mission, right. uh, and then plan backwards from the end state that they wanted for that that political effect, for that marketing effect, yeah. for recruitment or whatever whatever their end state was. Mm-hmm. Whereas we would say, okay, we want to go grab this guy off the street, whether he's a bomb maker, a jaywalker, whatever, um, and off we go, and then we finish the mission, and then hey, PAO, uh, let's do this and talk about this is what happened on the mission. By that point, the enemy's already moved on. Mm-hmm. And so is everybody else. And we've missed the opportunity and we didn't even start with the end state in mind, uh, whereas the enemy does. So, um, the Antifa's, uh, maybe they're doing that. I would imagine they are because I mean, information operations been around for a long time and it really doesn't take a lot to kind of read a couple books and figure out exactly what you can do in order to manipulate information. And I think when you have, a news outlet or several news outlets that are ultimately favorable to your side, it's fairly easy to, to, to spin the, the, the correct narrative, right? Um, and when I say correct, it's whatever narrative you're trying to, to, to push out there. I think these guys, I think it's absolutely absurd to label the, uh, the current administration as a fascist administration. I don't think there's any, there's any correlating evidence and or, direct representation of fascism in any way shape or form as far as being able to properly define it so for me i'm I'm just asking for one 
I've one never, thing. Just, I've just give me a thing. I've never says, even seen this represents fascism. Y- yeah, I've never even seen any one of these guys be interviewed and produce a reason why. Like they don't, they don't know why they don't like the administration. No. They don't have to, but because they don't have to. They just right? play. I mean, that's it. They they play off of complete fallacies. Yeah. I've I've heard somebody. Say, he puts children in cages. No, he well, doesn't. Well, <laughs> well, regardless, I mean, for for a certain demographic, it's it's exciting, it's new, right. and it's uh, it's it's a greater, it's a sense of purpose that's something greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like the military in that respect. So it's uh, it's a, a community, it's it's a club, it's right. uh, it's uh, something for these people to to, to rally behind. Even though it, the, the craziest part is that what they think they are fighting for is exactly what they are taking away. That's right. freedom. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, you know and when and they take it a little older, perhaps right. they'll realize realize that and move on and maybe get jobs and be productive. This stuff in Portland, yeah. like like in so Pol- it's in, in Portland. Por- Portland, what's going on in Portland? Uh, the, right now they're going hard. Like they keep blocking traffic. They the keep, old guy out of the, out of his car the other day, yeah. and it was just oh yeah. man, it was what? so horrible to yeah, see so, that. So they they are just taking it upon themselves to block certain roads and tell people to go a different way but some of the people aren't having it and they're like no i'm just gonna drive like again we need to address this that, if that you're be... in the road trying <laughs> that, to that do something a... like this you need to just you're allowed to run them over <laughs> you should absolutely be allowed to run them over i would if if they pass yeah. that law i would mount a freaking snow plow on the front of an f-150 and i would roll into him about 70 miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of changes in the law lately that might be allowed i'm not sure that's <laughs> Like that, you got to watch the that videos. Just, that just seems to me like like you've you've let people, you've conditioned people to think that it's okay to do that, and I think that that's there's there's multiple ways that you can you can you know you can prevent that from happening. Most of the time, that would come from you know somebody trying to take you out of your vehicle would be putting a muzzle in their face. Yeah. That would probably end that entire that entire interaction. Was probably just end that conversation. Yeah. Like this is what freedom looks like, which is you don't have the freedom to take me out of my car, and I have the freedom to carry a gun. So, Fucking congratulations, you've won the lottery today, friend. You get domed. Yeah, ding dong. <laughs> hey, I think that's that's such an interesting aspect of of America, where and I've seen it. I mean, we've all seen it in these videos where people just. I watched uh, one video of a guy in Boise take a a full like haymaker swing. At an older guy that was holding a Trump sign at a rally, like a full-on like haymaker, the guy standing next to the dude that was was getting going to get punched just reached out and grabbed the fist before it hit his face and just pushed it back and then smiled at the kid. <laughs> and I was like, "Gosh, man, these kids, dude!" And I, I'm not trying to put it as far as like a generational thing because there's plenty of people that are like 50 and 60 years old. It's just well, yeah, the sign ripping so, thing, though, you have a point here. They think that they can grab signs out of people's hands if they don't like there, them. There's a, there's, a, there's a really big double standard there. I think there's a double standard between progressives and conservatives. I think that, that you've got a significant portion of the progressive population that thinks it's, it's okay, even though they're, they're, they're throwing out pacifist belief systems, but it's only in relationship to you can't cause harm to them, right? It's like, well, you can't take a swing at me because, you know, I'm a progressive, but I can swing at you. And take your sign. Yeah, well, the intolerance that's so, uh, that's so disappointing. That's why, 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 why
you know, one of those uh, one of those things that eventually they're going to go after the wrong the wrong person, um, and Oof. they're being encouraged by yeah. by their leadership, both within the movement and by political right. leaders, to go out there and harass people that have a different point of view, harass them with their families, harass them in places that are completely inappropriate, and eventually they're going to do that to someone that is not going to take it, and it's not going to end well. Um, and then there are those of us that don't do that sort of thing, right. that uh, that know what's appropriate, what's not, appreciate this country, appreciate our freedoms, know how much opportunity we have here um, but we also have to start taking uh, some precautions because that that other side will find your home yeah they will come they will post they will pick it they will do mm-hmm. things like that to uh, to get a video clip to try to to try to antagonize you so there are certain things that uh, especially people that have platforms should be thinking about so mm-hmm. putting their phone their 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 uh, utilities and their homes uh, in LLCs or in trusts mm-hmm. that have names that are not associated with them or their companies um, things like that just make it a little bit harder for somebody right. to track you down or make somebody else a more attractive target. Um, so there, there's a security aspect to this as well. Mm-hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think that that's, you touched on some really important points, which is the, uh, the political influence and or leadership and those people promoting that it, it's, it's socially acceptable in order to cause harm and or dysfunction to I think the Kavanaugh, I think the Kavanaugh hearings, I think, are a direct representation. They 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 ruined a man's life, essentially, over uh, an accusation, and there was no due process. There was the automatic assumption that he was guilty because he was male, like literally and- because he's a white male. He's villainized. He's assumed that he's guilty. There's no due process. You had. A, a large percentage of the the leadership saying that it is acceptable to do this because he represents somebody that they want to condemn. I, I think it's well, it's ethically it's inappropriate at a minimum. A massive percentage of the side against him didn't even know their head from their ass when it came to the story, and that was that was something when I was watching the the Crowder the Crowder stuff is right. when he started questioning the girl about specific pieces of, of facts about the case, she had zero answers on any of no. them. So but was but her opinion was based on the polar opposite that existed of real fact. So we have a we have a system based on the presumption of innocence. So she was saying he she brought four corroborated witnesses to the to together and they all had the same story. He goes, no, that's That's absolutely the the opposite of what happened. So it's like this this age of misinformation is fucking working because people people are basing. People don't know how lucky we are to live in right. this country where we do no, have dear process, no, we are where, we, spoiled. where we do have that presumption of innocence because they have. It's, we're not close enough to a time where we didn't have that mm-hmm. or that it hasn't been taught coming up through the school systems. Uh, they haven't been to a country where there is not that presumption right. of innocence where you see people strung up from bridges and that sort of thing. And then you have a, a dictatorship that can do essentially whatever they want. They can presume you guilty. They can um, they can focus the, the, uh, the, the efforts and the energy of the state on bringing you down um, and they don't have that they do not have that presumption of innocence and that is something that we need to guard in this country because it really makes us who we are in the in the the complete denial of the the fact that this man had gone through multiple different background checks by the the fbi throughout the course of his lifetime uh with the discount they discounted his entire record these were the things where it was like, gosh, you guys are really out to destroy 
one individual. And I think it became very obvious, and I listened to his, his, his entire speech. Did you listen to it? It's 45 minutes. It was powerful. He, the condemnation of him specifically, and I guess, and you know, with SNL, uh, shedding light on it in a very negative way where he's, you know, ranting or, you know, he was, he was very, he was, he was very passionate about it, but I can't imagine as a, as a man that has spent his entire life in service and in literally service to the country for one person to make an accusation and a person that you never met to just come out of nowhere and say, this happened. And then for an entire millions of people to to condemn you as guilty before you've before you've had a chance to prove that you are innocent, like these are things that are just inherently when I say wrong, like that well, it's is not wrong. even proving you're innocent. <laughs> the other side has to prove that you're yes. guilty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, prove that you're guilty. Right. And and he's saying, just allow me the opportunity to prove that I did not do this. And look at the facts as far as look at what I'm look, listen to what I'm saying and trust the fact that even the, the, the bureau has done their job and then multiple facts. It was somebody with a record like that too. What a 30 plus female. Oh my gosh. Come forward like, that said, I've worked with him over the last 20 some odd years. Well, maybe it's a, uh, you know, so, it's, it's a tactic being tested right. by, by a side to see yeah. if it works. And they'll yeah. find out in midterms mm-hmm. if it they worked will. or not. Right. Uh, we'll all find out. We'll um, all find out. And if will that, yeah. be a, will that be a tactic that we'll see more of in the future? And we won't know until uh, November. Rick. Well, which is interesting because your book, you classify it as, what do you classify it? It's a, politically, it's a political military thriller. Political military thriller. So you've spent some time kind of down the rabbit hole with, International terrorism, uh, domestic politics. So you, yeah. you've you've investigated a, some of these issues, I would imagine. So what do you dive into in the book? Yeah. So the conspiracy side, I, I thought, hey, what it makes a great thriller. Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot of this stuff growing up. And uh, my mom was a librarian, so I, 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 I read books. From <laughs> I love a very that so much. Age. I think that's so <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> We're just surrounded by books, right. uh, which is how I found out. Uh, did my research into the SEAL teams, and then uh, naturally gravitated towards books and movies that had something to do with the military. Mm-hmm. So reading books like Brotherhood of the Rose, uh, Charm School, all the Tom Clancy's, the AJ Quinnells, J.C. Pollock's, like all these guys in the in the eighties and uh, up into the nineties with uh, uh, Stephen Hunter, and then later Daniel Silva, and then Brad Thor, and Vince Flynn later on. But um, there's an element to the thriller that has a conspiracy attached to it. Right. Um, and people, so I combined the conspiracy with the age old theme of revenge and revenge without constraint and coupled those two together revenge for this great. book. <laughs> so revenge is very is great. It was a very therapeutic book to write because it, uh, <laughs> although fiction, I took the emotions that I have felt at some point over the last 20 years in the military and took those emotions from certain events and applied them to the fictional narrative. So mm-hmm. it reads like, Hey, this guy's really experiencing this. And, uh, if, people get that out of the book that's because i did experience those feelings those emotions at some point over the last 20 years in certain situations so right. um but uh the conspiracy side of the house comes from the church hearings uh frank right. church in the uh the late 70s that uh looked into some abuses of power by certain elements of the federal government and i was inspired by that to create a conspiracy where the government and certain elements of the financial and pharmaceutical industries are testing drugs on our nation's most elite soldiers right. and that goes a little haywire they need to cover up those experiments and 
Hence, we have the conspiracy unraveled by our protagonist, James Reese, who then comes back home and uses what worked against us in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, on home soil. So he becomes the insurgent that he'd been fighting for the last 16 (laughs) plus years at war and brings those tactics home and works his way up his list to the highest echelons of the U.S. government. So you spent the last couple of years thinking about this. Yeah. Like several, several times. I would, I would imagine several times per day. Hours of your life basically have been spent thinking about um, this concept. Government overreach, I would yeah. say, is what uh, the overriding, more broad, broad theme that I explored. Do you think that there's government overreach right now? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's what uh, we need to guard against, right. I think, at all costs, because uh, we, we're, we're slowly going down that path, more mm-hmm. regulation, more uh, overreach of what was originally intended, not just by the founding documents, but by precedent leading up to today. Um, and if we're not aware of it and then don't take action to curb it, then um, we're passing on a country to future generations to our kids and grandkids that is uh, less free with less opportunity than, than we had. Interesting. So right now, as you, as you start to look at the current administration, and if we were to look into the future and say, what, what are the things that we have to look at and, and be prepared to, to, I guess, prepare ourselves for? What do you think is going to happen in the next presidential election, for instance? What yeah, do you think is well, going to happen in the midterm? Yeah, well, midterm well, and president. Well, let's hit, let's hit midterm and then let's hit. That's let's a tough one. So I'm watching just like everybody else, right. as far as that goes, and I really, I really don't know. Right. Um, so I, uh, I have I have some thoughts, but really, it's let's think strategically and then let's think tactically. So yeah. strategically, what do we what do we need to do to get where we need to go to keep those freedoms for our children, and then how do we make those tactical level decisions that that help out getting that strategic um, uh, outcome. That, mm-hmm. we, that we want. And for me, it's about, it's about family and right. what can I affect? What can my circle affect? So when the SEAL team was when I was a brand new guy, it was just me and my radio. Right. Uh, then it became me, my sniper rifle, my radio, and my secondary uh, communications guy. Then I became an officer and I had eight guys in my squad. So my circle slowly started getting bigger and bigger with each, uh, with each year in the military and each new, new assignment. Uh, then I became a platoon commander and it got a little bigger and then I became a troop commander and then a, a, um, a task unit commander. So it, it got bigger and bigger, my, my, my circle of, of influence. So right now it's back to me and my family. Right. And then, but also, uh, through the medium of popular fiction, through these novels, um, I can weave things in. I can weave in uh, some uh, elements that we're talking about today, as far as this government overreach, uh, things about the Second Amendment, things about uh, hunting, providing for your family, and just weave those in to the political military thriller. So I'm influencing somebody that grabs a is in the airport and wants to grab a spy novel off the shelf mm-hmm. and sees the terminal list and grabs it and heads to the plane or they're going on vacation or whatever and they get a thrilling ride, but they also get a little bit of an education right. one of the things we've yeah. been talking about today. So that's kind of how my, I look at my sphere um, growing and my sphere of influence. Um, but even more tactically, it's the family and it's raising those kids to uh, appreciate what they have, appreciate the options and opportunities that uh, they've been given just by being born in mm-hmm. this amazing country um, and making them aware of it, talking about it and giving them examples of other places where, and showing them, taking them to these other places where people aren't so lucky, yeah. just so they grew up with that appreciation um, and knowing that, hey, providing for your, for your family, both financially um, and then also being there emotionally and uh, being able to defend your family, all those things just kind of make you who you are and make that family unit strong moving forward. But they're all based in, uh, in, in the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. So talking about them and making sure the kids are aware of them as we move forward, uh, I think is that tactical level influence that we can all have. Well, and how are you? How are you doing that 
right now. So, you know, you, you, you talked about leadership with your, with your own family, the things that you can impact, you know, what are you concentrated on when you're trying to make a, a positive impact with your family? Yeah. So it's getting out away from all these distractions mm-hmm. that right away from the iPhones, the iPads, um, all these activities that we have, which are all great for the kids and help them right. grow. Uh, but it's a lot. Yeah. So getting out there, getting out there in the woods, getting out there in the backcountry with them, getting out hunting with them, teaching them responsibility, uh, how to handle a firearm, how to be safe with that firearm, um, how to, uh, how to hunt and bring that meat back for the family. And then as we prepare that meat and those meals, uh, really give thanks and talk about where that came from right. and, uh, thank the kid that, one, uh, that, that provided that for us. So it's just, um, being out there together, teaching that self-reliance, um, and being able to, to, uh, to provide for the family. So you're talking really about, uh, developing confidence through skill in some way, right? So developing different skills and encouraging yeah, more Confidence. broadly, responsibility. Yeah, um, responsibility and self reliance. Yeah, and uh, and through that, an appreciation for being able to develop those things. Because in right. a lot of countries, you can't. Um, but we have the freedom to do that mm-hmm. here in this country. So uh, talking about it, not just thinking mm-hmm. and assuming that they're going to get it because of what we're doing, but really being able to articulate it um, and do it, talk about it, think back on it, and then revisit those experiences through preparing those meals mm-hmm. that uh, that we bring home from the field. So as a guy, you've accomplished a ton in your life compared to other men. Like that's, that's like, that's a fact, right? Whether or not you agree with that or not, it's, it's just a fact with, you know, fractions of a fraction of a fraction of a people go on to become Navy SEALs and officers and write a book. And you like, you, you've done a lot. Um, for guys that are out there, like, you know, normal, every average everyday guy, or however we want to classify that, you know, how uh, how do they take some of the lessons learned and apply them on a daily? You know, what are you doing on a daily that 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 helps encourage and motivate you? You know, who are you listening to? What are you doing with your family? What are you thinking about? How do you how do you pass on some of those those pieces of wisdom? Those nuggets. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's. I never think about the odds. Mm-hmm. I never think about how hard something is because that's wasted bandwidth. Right. So I never thought about how hard it was to be a Navy SEAL other than, hey, I heard this is really hard. Mm-hmm. It must be good. That's what I want to do. I'm going to be in that 20% that makes it through. I never even thought about the 80%. Right. Because um, I'm going to end up, and I, at the time coming in, I thought, you know, all there was was, you know, the Charlie Sheen type movie out Bad there. So ass. I thought, like, there's six dudes. Yeah. Yeah. On Had to team. get it on. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, I thought there were six guys. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be one of those six guys out of this 200 plus starting yeah. this class right here. <laughs> right. Like, so I never even thought about those odds right. um, because I think that's wasted bandwidth. Same thing I get asked uh, by people about the novel. Like, how did you mm-hmm. get to Simon & Schuster? How did you, do you know the odds of getting published by a large publishing house like Simon & Schuster is an unknown? And I say, no, I have, <laughs> I have no idea what those <laughs> right. odds are because I never thought about it. I never right. wasted any time thinking about how hard it was or what are the you odds. Just were doing. I just wanted to do it because that yeah. bandwidth is wasted thinking about that, worrying about that. And so all mine was focused mm-hmm. on writing a book and making it the best book I possibly could. Uh, just like being the SEAL teams, it was focused on hey, getting through buds, getting to the team, being the best operator I possibly could, being the best leader I possibly could, uh, and then moving forward. So it wasn't about, oh, this is really hard or this is that. I, I never thought about any of that at all. So I would say for people that want to do something, no matter what it is, but it doesn't have to be writing a book. It doesn't have to be uh, starting a company. It can be anything at all. Uh, but don't waste time thinking right. about how hard it is. Just know, okay, it's hard. Check. 
boom, let's get mm-hmm. this done and drive forward because that's what life's all about is getting knocked down and getting up and moving forward every time. So um, I think and that's the that's what I try to talk to the kids about and weave into those conversations that we have is that, um, you know, I think it came from Rocky, like Rocky, the strangest place, Rocky 4. And that, <laughs> I know people have used it. Uh, Rocky 5, yeah. is uh, People have six. watched Rockies all the way up to 5? Oh my goodness, really? it's so great. But it's a, I think he said, hey, life's not about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you get hit and mm. keep moving forward. So you just, hey, I'm gonna get hit at some point, I'm gonna go down, but I'm gonna get back up and keep moving. Right. And I'm not gonna worry about how hard it is. Like, just go and do it. That's why the Nike, just do it, still resonates yeah. today. It's so simple and people still remember it today. Like who remembers the Adidas one from the same time frame early No 80s? idea. Right, right, but you remember, just do it. Yeah. Because it is that simple, get up and do it. Hmm. Is it though? Is it that, uh, and when I say that, it's... it's Don't waste bandwidth thinking yeah. about the rest of it. No, I, I think you're right. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get to that point But where, no, it's going to be hard. What are the things that just you're Just don't obsess with doing? how hard it is. What are the things you're doing, though? Because everything you do is hard. Like, when I say that, it's everything in your life is, that you've done is hard. So how have you manufactured the internal motivation in order to accomplish what you've wanted to go out and achieve? Well, I wish I could tell you I was very disciplined about this approach and, uh, <laughs> and had it all written down. But uh, no, life is uh, is constant chaos and right. it is not what it appears to be on uh, on Instagram and, and all the what? rest of it. No way. <laughs> no. JT's life is exactly the way that he depicts it on Instagram. Right, which I think is dangerous because people look at that and they see, oh man, look at this. Everything's so perfect here. This is so right. awesome. This is so funny or this is so great. Look at these guys are doing. When for me anyway, behind the scenes, like there is chaos. We're juggling mm-hmm. three kids and uh, juggling not just the, the book, but I have these other businesses as well right. and uh so there's a lot a lot going on yeah. um but uh for me it is exactly that it is getting up and doing it trying to prioritize and i learned this from from jocko at some point along mm-hmm. the way when he was uh, putting me through two of my two of my workups uh getting ready for deployment was hey prioritize and execute right so i try to keep that in mind every day because there's so many distractions today so many than there were so 10 many years ago more than 20 definitely more than 30 yes um but so prioritizing that time effectively so taking a minute to prioritize and then okay Got it. Here's my list of priorities, and now I execute. Instead of just execute, 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 I'm working my way down my list. Uh, It's prioritizing and executing. And every so often, taking a breath, looking around, evaluating where you are, and then reprioritizing. Working hard. It's about working on the right things. At the right times. Yeah, being as effective and efficient as you possibly can with that time you're given each day. And I've talked a lot about it where it's a constant amount of time triage. It almost, for me, it happens every day. I have to I have to take a look at what I did the previous day, the previous week, the previous year, whatever that is, and then I chop away the 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 stuff that's just not going to work, and uh, and then bucket more yeah. energy into the things that are working. And you actually have to go do a bunch of shit to be honest with you in order to find out what what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So that take what's useless, discipline. discard what's useless. Yeah. I think that was a. I think that was Bruce Lee. I won't take credit. You won't? No. You can. Where, I mean, <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't you be You could right. just say Navy SEAL shit, and then everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, I got it. But I think that's, uh, I think these are some really important pieces for definitely guys that are, are out there, you know, guys and gals both are like trying to, to get motivation or they're trying to figure out what they're doing in their next, their next phase of life. And these are important aspects of what has made you, you, which I think you've got, you can speak to, you know, yeah. what are you doing on a regular basis? Well, being able basis? to say, this is one, I'll give you one that I yeah. need to get better mm-hmm. at, and that's saying no. 
Um, so being able to say no is something I need to work oh, on, yeah. develop, because it's not something that comes naturally. I mm-hmm. always want to help. I always yeah. want to say yes. Um, and it's very hard, especially at this stage where I'm mm-hmm. building something, I'm building a brand, I'm building a franchise, I'm writing a, I'm writing multiple books and uh, creating a, a business. So it's very right. entrepreneurial in, in its nature and in its spirit, um, which makes me want to take advantage of every option and opportunity out there so I can do exactly what you're saying, figure out what works. So I'm at that stage, which yeah. is uh, tough when you're juggling all the things that, that, uh, that we're all juggling, really. Really. But so being able to, to say no, um, yeah. and like we talked about last night, is figuring out what your par- paradigm is, what your model is, what's important to you that allows you to stay say mm-hmm. no to something without putting too much thought into it, without wasting too much of that bandwidth on whether you should say yes or no. So mm-hmm. in the context of a transition from the military, uh, what I did was figure out what was important to me ahead of time because I knew there was going to be all these options and opportunities. Um, just and I feel very fortunate for that, of course, but I needed to figure out how to say no to some of them without spending days weeks debating, researching, talking about each one of these things, and then uh, figure out, no, this wasn't quite right. I don't think this is the right move. Uh, because that's wasted time. That's time that wasn't spent writing. That's time right. that wasn't spent building a new business. That yeah. was time that wasn't spent on something productive. So figuring out what's important. And for me, that was freedom. That was the overarching umbrella. Mm-hmm. Things had to fit that. It had to fit financially and then had to fit with my schedule. I had to be able to control my time and uh, spend time with my family because the next stage in life is about them. Mm-hmm. The first one was about the country, about the team, about the mission. The second part of life here is really about taking care of my family and being there for them because they put up with a, a lot over the past right. 20 years. Um, so figuring out what's important to you first so you know the answers to these questions mm-hmm. uh, before they even get asked, essentially. So figure out what's important to you, whatever that is. And for me, it's freedom. And everybody will have something that's different. And I couldn't agree more, which is interesting because we both share that 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 same drive to uh, to a certain degree, which is that was my number one priority. I did I did not want to be managed by somebody else ever again in yep. my life. Didn't want to be I didn't want to work for somebody. I didn't want to be managed by anybody. Exactly. I wanted freedom. Now, sink or swim, I own that shit. And that's the beauty of it, which is success or failure, but if you define success, and there are two routes for me in in this this adventure, which is I will not work for another person as long as I live, which is freedom, but through that you've got you've got a bifurcation in the road which is you have to go and ultimately be prepared to be uh, in poverty if you do because sink or swim individually you own it uh or you can create enough wealth and independence that you can own your own life in a way that directly benefits and enhances your life so you you can you can achieve the same freedom through both wealth and poverty. You can actually. Because if you chop away the material aspects of life and get to the core premise, which is freedom and family, you still own it. It's still yours. Your time is yours. And I've got a few friends out there that have been able to do that where they've said, no, and they basically live super simply. Living in a van down by the river. But they're fucking incredible, man. Like they're free. And... I think that a lot of people where their unhappiness comes from is they're trapped. Yeah. They're, they've built a prison of their own, their own construction. They put themselves in it. And now they're trying to figure out a way out. Well, it's easy to fall into that. Yeah. There's no, no doubt about it. There's easy to fall into that trap. It's easy to overcommit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then living in a van down by the river, there is freedom there. But 
once you add family to that, once you add some other, you know, maybe some family mm-hmm. members that have special needs or whatever yeah. else it is, uh, now you have a responsibility right. to them. That's more than just you being free or feeling free. Well, it could and be a today, sprinter van. That's a good point. On the beach. Ooh, yeah, like that's pretty epic. Yeah. That's yeah, a fucking I saw a really good nice one solar, this last week. Right? Yeah, I solar, solar. Like I got my surfboards. I got my family. <laughs> to that. We're going on long runs in the Cascades. It's fucking epic, man. That's a, good, for, that's a great, good daydream. Great for Instagram. Yeah. yeah it's great a great content. Instagram but in all reality, that shit is super tight. There's hardly any room for any fucking food. You right. know, you can't sleep because your kids are kicking you in the fucking face right. all night. Yeah, the sense of what is what makes you free mm-hmm. has definitely morphed over time. So uh, you know, now you can't just head west because you'd walk into the Pacific Ocean. Or back, you yeah. used to be able to head west yeah. and stake a claim and have some land and all the rest of it. And there was freedom in that. Uh, today, would you have been not. one of those guys? Do you think? I would think so. Yeah, I would, uh, I would you would have so. been a pioneer. I would be out of the yeah. city, out of that, <laughs> especially back then, and uh, and heading west to freedom. Absolutely. Do you think you would have been like a mountain man or something like that? Do I would you hope think so. I have the beard now. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look like you got one. it. So I think <laughs> swinging axe. Yeah. Uh, Do you think you could have been like a Jeremiah Johnson type character? Do you I think that so. could have been? I think that would have been my calling. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. that's freedom then today you know not so much today it's really that freedom is financial right that that isn't as much as we hate to talk about as much as it Mm -hmm. as some people might not like to acknowledge that um that is a a large piece of it today that can give you that same freedom that you used to have heading west with that financial as long as you don't fall into those traps that we just talked about uh it can give you that same sense of freedom in today's world so figuring out what that is, what that is for you, what freedom is, is for you. And everyone's mm-hmm. might look a little different as far as that level of prosperity uh, and level of different opportunities for your, for your kids and, and grandkids. Uh, it's going to be a little different. So figuring out what that yeah. is, not falling into those traps along the way and then getting after but, it. Yeah. And freedom could be the, the individual aspects where you choose to join a company and move through the corporate ranks and infrastructure in order be. to become an executive because be. you own your life. That's the choice that you've made. And, and it could be, I've, I've decided that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have uh, a profession. I'm going to, you know, read books and fucking live in a teepee on the beach. Okay. But at least you own it and you're not controlled by somebody else that ultimately yep. decides whether or not you work that day or you don't work or whom, whatever that is. Oh, yeah. Now, granted, we all have priorities and we have responsibilities, but I think that's a super important thing, which is people have to define what success looks like to them. What yep. is freedom? What is success? And the more they chop out all the white noise, the shit that kind of just pollutes their mind every day, and they say, what is it exactly that makes me, me, that can get me out of fucking bed in the morning and kick me in the ass and drive me towards one single point focused objective. What is that? But you're not going to find it on Instagram. That ain't going to fucking happen. No, no. Like we talk, great marketing platform, but yeah. uh, but that's about it. Um, and it can inspire. As yeah, well. we sure. talked about difference between being motivated and it being in, and having inspiration. So two different things. Yes. Uh, I'd, and I would say, forget about the motivation and you know, look for inspiration in people and, mm-hmm. and examples and people that uh, that you can emulate or get something from, get a nugget of information from that make you a better person and help you along your journey. So definitely a difference between inspiration and motivation. And then also along the way, you can't lose sight of those other things that are important because you can pick your head up 20 years from now after building uh, a company or whatever right. else, thinking that you're going for this freedom. And then you look up 
kids are gone, uh, you don't know your wife anymore, um, and yeah. you have a other whole host of issues, right. and you actually created a problem set yeah. that you were trying to avoid when you started the journey. Um, but for me, I figure I worked for somebody for 20 years, worked for the U.S. government, and it uh, moving forward, I was not going to do that anymore. Right. It's, nice. uh, it's time to do it, uh, <laughs> do it myself. Who's... Who's inspiring and motivating you now outside of your family, of course? Oh, geez. Well, I'm so fortunate to have had uh, some great mentors yeah. along the way. And I think that's the most important thing as well for people. People ask me, what, what, uh, what foundation should I give to you that helps help military veterans and all that sort of thing? And I say the most impactful thing that you can do is mentor somebody along or at least be one of the people that offers that opportunity to them through an internship and slash mentorship for with your company for a couple weeks, a month to find out if it's the right fit. Because usually people coming out, all they know about these different professions are what they saw on TV or what they heard in a snippet of a conversation somewhere or in a movie, whether it's law, whether it's finance, uh, medicine, yeah. uh, starting their own company, getting the tactical space, whatever it may be, but they don't really know what it's like and they fully commit to something to find out it's not the right thing. Right. for them and then they have to do it again yeah. and again whereas if they did a mentorship slash internship program with a few in a few different spaces they could find that right fit uh if they weren't going to start their own or maybe they can do learn along the way how to do it learn some best practices learn what works what doesn't uh and then branch off on their own so um really if you want to make an impact on somebody transitioning from the military it's that mentorship slash internship type program where you give them a glimpse into your world to find out if it's a good fit or not so who's who's uh, inspiring and motivating you? Yeah, well, you know, Jocko is doing yeah. an amazing All right, yeah. there you go. Job. Drink it, bro of the week. Yeah. Jocko. He's Jocko. an incredible post-military. <laughs> he did a great job in the military. He had a huge influence on training, particularly on the West Coast. Well, I think um, it's good. Here, Jack, why don't you just give... so. Every episode, we, uh, we, we, we give somebody the drinking bro of the week, and we define what they meant to the individual. So define... Uh, let's give it to Jocko and define what it. Jocko's done for you. Yeah. So personally, he taught me a lot. Of, it's just what we talked about before, prioritize and execute. And mm -hmm. I was lucky to be able to learn it in a training environment. So you're at a Mount facility, Fort Knox, and they throw a training cell, throws a whole bunch of stuff at you. And they just keep ramping it up, ramping it up so you can learn from your mistakes, essentially. So helicopter crash down, mission down men all sorts of chaos going on. And as a brand new, uh, not a brand new officer, but right. a new officer as a platoon commander, um, now I'm in charge of all these different elements. I'm not just one element that's going out to take care of my tactical responsibility. Now I have multiple maneuvering elements on the battlefield. Right. Um, and luckily in a training environment, one of the best, um, uh, like most important uh, and most impactful lessons I learned from Jocko was I try to take on too much. So we had they had a hel fake helicopter down in there. We had guys on the radio that are wounded. They're under fire from that helicopter. You have guys in a building. You've taken wounded, and you're trying. To, I'm trying to deal with all of it because I want to be successful. Right? Mm -hmm. I want to be. I want to impress the guys. I want to want to make the right decisions. Um, but really, what I should have done? Take a breath. Prioritize. Execute. Deal with a firefight at hand. Take care of our wounded. Reconsolidate figure out if we can then allocate assets to go to that helicopter crash site instead of doing it all 
at right. one. So very tactical <laughs> level, but it was very impactful as you can tell. Mm. Um, and it was great to be able to do that in a training environment, but it's all because of what Jocko did and how he um, structured that training to get the end result that he wanted. And uh, so I, I will forever be grateful for him for not just that, but everything that he passed on, all those lessons learned that he really learned in Ramadi in 2006, right. uh, and then wanted to pass on to future generations of frogmen. So uh, he took that upon himself to do that and really restructure the entire training program for the West Coast. So his impact on the SEAL teams, uh, particularly on the West Coast SEAL teams, um, you can't overstate what he did there. And then post-Navy, his sphere of influence yeah. has grown it's, it's exponentially. Huge. Uh, so he's in- inspiring, not, to, not motivating, as you know from talking to him, yeah. uh, how big he is on the, the discipline equaling freedom, yep. um, but really inspiring people to see what's possible and to go after whatever it is that they, that they want, whatever their dream is. Um, he's, he's having a huge impact, really across industry. So, huge um, yeah, drinking bro of the week. So Hell drinking yeah. bro of the week, Jocko, even though I don't think Cheers. he drinks, right? Cheers. So. Yeah. Cheers. He, now. he has ice cream. Right. He, he drinks, he drinks pomegranate cream. tea. How does, uh, how does everybody <laughs> so, find you yeah. All right. on the internet? Show right. us. Yeah. Tell us where they can find you All right. and do the texting right. All right. Let's do the texting right. So you can text 44222 and write Jack Carr, J-A-C-K-C-A-R-R, and you will get an email or a text right. back from me where you can put your, your email mm-hmm. address in there and be added to the, uh, added to the team where you'll get uh, uh, sneak peeks into what's coming, maybe cool. some movie news, maybe a new book cover. All right. Uh, and then first look at some of the things that go up on the blog, which are deep dives into different weapons used in the mm-hmm. books. So sniper weapon systems, M4, knives, um, some of the things about the publishing industry, just about my journey in general. Right. So um, you can do that. 44222. It's right. what you text and write Jack, Jack Carr, Carr C A R R. And in Instagram, Jack Carr. Instagram, right? Jack, Carr. Jack Carr. Nope, Jack Carr USA. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, Jack Carr, so on USA. those three, uh, three, in, three social media platforms right. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, it's Jack Carr USA. And I get back to people on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I really awesome. uh, hey, talk just, to people. Just so everybody knows, we, we don't take paid sponsorships uh, like this. We, we This is not a paid sponsorship or endorsement. This is just our buddy, uh, and we, we believe in the book. We believe in what he's done. Uh, we, we think it's a, a incredible and fascinating story, but more importantly, what he's doing is he's showing that veteran transition, uh, veteran success is possible, and you can do whatever it is that you set your mind to as long as you prioritize and execute. That's it. That's it. Thank you Beautiful very done. much, Jack. Thank we you. We will absolutely be indebted for you coming <laughs> into the stuff. Uh, oh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a blast and great catching up. Hey, we'll, talk, uh, yeah, yeah. we'll talk offline about some more visual <laughs> stories. I, I don't want to go to jail. Goodbye. Goodbye.